Hello to all the little gay people in my phone. Hello to baby gaylers, people who are just joining us and barely have any idea about gayler lore. Hello to our elder gaylers who have been around the block, who have seen everything. You're so brave. Hello to people that have never heard my voice before. It's nice to meet you. My name is Madison. Hello to those who have heard my voice before, whether it be on TikTok or the Archers podcast or Gaylor Twitter spaces. I spend way too much time being a Gaylor, and by way too much, I mean just enough, and I love it. I'm very excited for this new Gaylor journey that I'm on. I'm excited for all of our new Gaylor journey that we're on. I feel like a lot has happened in the past few months in the Gaylor universe that has just propelled us into this like crazy Gaylor fanfic. <laughs> I feel like we are living in the timeline fanfic, which I highly recommend reading. It's very entertaining. One of the only fanfictions that I almost made it all the way through. I might have to revisit it. Anyway, welcome to the first episode of Is It Cool That I Said All That? This is my brand new Gaylor podcast where we are going to talk about Gaylor theories, queer history, queer theory, queer culture, uh, pop culture, which is queer culture in my humble opinion. This space is for being critical of Taylor Swift, for being critical of art, for being critical of our community, and also celebrating Taylor Swift's art and celebrating this community that we have all built around it. I really want to use this podcast as a platform to uplift voices in this community that I think have a lot of really important things to say. We all bring such unique knowledge to Gaylor theories just from life experience and all the ways that our brains have picked up information and apply it to Gaylor stuff. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with some of my beloved Gaylor oomphs on this podcast and picking their brains about their own special interests, whether it has to do with Gaylor or not. I think at the end of the day, almost all of my thoughts can be tied back to Gaylor in some way. So this will definitely be a Gaylor podcast, but please expect a lot of tangents. As we all know, going down the Gaylor rabbit hole usually tends to lead to other little mini rabbit holes along the way. I think of rabbit holes like the lore of Loie Fuller, the lesbian choreographer Taylor paid tribute to during her dress performance at the Reputation World Tour. I think about the the latter, which is a lesbian zine that Taylor took inspiration from for Lavender Haze, the performance and the music video. And actually, I've seen some of the latter references in Harry Styles' work too, and Louis Tomlinson possibly. I want to get into Larry here too. That's a rabbit hole that Gaylor falls into. While I'm on the topic, if any of you are Larry Stylinson experts, I would love if you could come on this podcast and give me a brief or not brief rundown of Larry because while I have been in those trenches for a while too, I don't know quite as much and I would love to get educated on that. And I feel like Larry theories tie a lot into Gaylor theories because it's all closeted pop stars, right? 
Anyways, like I said, there's lots of rabbit holes for us to fall down together, and we will fall down all of them. But for this first episode, I really wanted to just give a introduction of who I am, why I'm a gayler, what it means to me to be a gayler, what it means to listen to Taylor Swift in a queer way. I think it's only appropriate to kind of share how I got here before we jump into any more theories or anything like that. And in a lot of ways, I also wanted to do this as a first episode to celebrate the time that I've spent just like completely submerged in these Gaylor theories and in this online space that has shown me so much love and so much support and care and that has taught me so much about community building and will continue to teach me about community building. This community has taught me so much falling down these rabbit holes has taught me so much and I think it's only fair to kind of give you all a rundown of how I got here and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this pipeline that I went down as well. I officially started my Gaylor journey in 2020 but I had been listening to Taylor Swift since I was a baby child. I remember my mom playing Tim McGraw when I was being driven to first grade and I remember seeing her on the news a couple of times while she was like on her upswing at that time. I remember being a kid and resenting country music and resenting the fact that my mom loved country music and the fact that I grew up in the southwest in Arizona where it was everywhere and I couldn't avoid it. And then I really resented the fact that I loved Taylor Swift. I resented that this country artist broke me and that I wanted to listen to country music. Tim McGraw felt different to me as a kid. It felt like country music that I'd never heard before. It really hit me in the heart in the same way that Landslide, the cover by the Dixie Chicks, hit me. I also remember resenting the fact that I loved that cover so much. I think back in those days of like the early 2000s, 2005, 2006, country music in a place like Arizona represented, you know, patriotism, bigotry, Republicans, America first mentality, all things that I even as a kid knew were weird and like did not want to support or identify with, things that I resented um, being a part of my identity as someone growing up in Arizona. So all of that to say, I have been a Taylor Swift fan since I was a kid and I have always resented that I've been a Taylor Swift fan and it only got worse uh, when all of the Kanye nonsense happened, you know, 2014, 15, 16, that whole era. I really loved 1989. I loved all of her albums up until that point and I was another one of the victims of the misogynistic media spree that just kind of stomped all over Taylor Swift and I still believe there's a lot of justifiable reasons for why I wasn't supporting Taylor Swift from like 2016 to 2020. I believed she held a lot of white supremacist values. I believed that she was, whether knowingly or unknowingly, spreading this unrealistic body image. I was disappointed that her group of friends was celebrated the way that they were, and they were all just skinny white models. It was a really justifiable anger that I had towards her. (laughs) during that time, and I'm sure a lot of us shared that. I know a lot of Gaylers I've talked to have told me that they hated her during that era too. I think it goes way far beyond the media propaganda of like, everyone should hate Taylor Swift, so we all did. I think that was definitely a part of it, right? Because media 
informs our subconscious. So there was a reason that we all hated her. And a part of the reason probably was the way that the media was reporting on her and the way that we were all, and by we were all, I mean people who were against her, but the way that people were taking sides against her was all encouraged by the media. And also at the same time, I think there were a lot of justifiable reasons, ethically, morally, and values-wise, that my like 16-year-old self just couldn't rock with her at the time. So I wouldn't say that I'm one of those people that regrets, you know, not standing by Taylor's side um, during those years because I think it was essential to building my own value system to kind of like take a step back and be critical about someone who I loved and admired and an artist that I, you know, at that time considered to be a big part of my life. I think there were a lot of valuable lessons in that time and I don't regret taking a step back from Taylor and her music and from supporting her as an artist. When 2020 rolled around and Folklore was released, like everyone else, I was bored as fuck. I was bored, I was inside, I was depressed. I was dying for a new hyperfixation. At the time, I didn't know that I was autistic. I think, like a lot of us, again, I figured out that I was. (laughs) Thanks to this album and Gaylor. The first time I saw Folklore was on Instagram. I saw that Taylor announced it. And I thought, well, I don't have anything else to do. And this looks like a cottagecore-ass album. So immediately, just like the imagery got me, and it really reminded me of her Hunger Games era, like Safe and Sound and Eyes Open, those music videos when she's in the woods and it's foggy and it's cottagecore twilight, you know? It really reminded me of that time, and I loved her during that like red 1989 transition. So... I gave it a shot and I found it on Spotify because I was feeling chaotic. I didn't want to listen to the album in order, which is something I usually would do if I'm like really diving into a new album. I think it's important to listen to it in order to like get the full scope of like what the artist's storyline is, especially someone like Taylor. Like I knew I was being chaotic (laughs) by doing that, but I saw that one of the songs was titled Betty. And that immediately raised a giant rainbow, glittery, sequiny, gay ass flag. I was like, hold on a minute. Betty. Immediately, the word Betty makes me think of a pretty lady. I think of Betty Boop. I think of um, Betty Page. I think of, you know, a pretty lady, a Betty. (laughs) So right off the bat, before I even clicked the song Betty, I googled Taylor Swift gay. And I was like, did she come out? Did I miss something? Which I was met with screenshots from the You Need to Calm Down music video. And then I was reminded of 2019 and all of that lover era that I just kind of ignored at the time. Or at least I tried my best to. I literally like plugged my ears and closed my eyes every time I would hear me or You Need to Calm Down because it was just like too cringy for me in 2019. I wasn't ready to accept that Taylor was being camp. That wasn't something my brain had processed yet because I also hated reputation, which was camp. So yeah, I googled Taylor Swift gay because I thought, well, she has a song called Betty where she's presumably singing to a woman, and I didn't find much. I found some links to some articles about You Need to Calm Down and her allyship. I found a link to an article where she talks about communities that she's not a part of. I found Tumblr links and Reddit links and weird little dark corners of the internet that had been running since like 2013. I found Kaler photos, the Kaler timeline. I think at one point I stumbled across the reputation is about Carly Kloss PowerPoint, but I didn't really dive in yet. 
I saw all of this before I even clicked play on Betty, and then when I finally did, I was so confused. I was covered in chills. I was so confused. I was reading the lyrics over and over again. I was putting all these pieces together in my head of like, oh shit, I loved Taylor Swift so much as a kid because she's gay and because I'm gay. For backstory on like my queer journey, in 2020, I was out. I had been out for a few years, but something about rediscovering Taylor Swift and her music led me down this like portal of my queerness that I just had never truly explored. I think at that point I had accepted that I was queer, but I didn't know what that meant for me. And I didn't know what that meant for girlhood and my childhood. I guess I couldn't identify what parts of myself were queer in 2020. And having pandemic time, I think a lot of us went inward and were kind of left in the dark to ruminate in that. And I'm so grateful that folklore jump-started that, to be honest. So I listened to all of Folklore and it just ruined me. I was listening to it every day, every night, all the time. And then the Betty performance at the CMAs came out in September where she's performing with the rainbow guitar strings and she's wearing that outfit with the red sequiny top and the green like cargo pants. And when she's just like singing at the camera, she's singing to someone, she's, she is James in that performance and i believed it this was you know september 2020 and just watching that performance and watching her sing betty these she her pronouns and saying she wants to kiss her on the porch in front of all of her stupid friends all of it was so believable and like hit me literally like a train and i was like why is no one talking about this i mean i see people on twitter talking about how good folklore is and getting back into Taylor's music and like forgiving her because I think at that time too the Kim Kardashian like full tape was leaked of the phone call that showed that Kim had edited the clips which made a lot of people see Taylor in a different light and kind of like forgive all of the snake drama from years past. There was definitely something in me that forgave her when those clips were released in early 2020. Besides the point though, I thought why is no one talking about this? Why is no one fucking talking about this? Why is every time I Google it, it's just like one Vox article and like a few Tumblr posts? I was just confused for a few months. I was looking into her and Joe Alwyn. I was looking into her and Carly. I was looking into her and Diana. I was stumbling across these Gaylor edits on TikTok. Still, I was like, does no one realize how much of a mastermind this woman is? Not to quote her directly, but god damn. I was mostly just shook that she had been so openly queer for so long, particularly on the album 1989, which was one of my favorites at the time, because all of the themes of secrecy and like not getting caught and this and that, I loved that album as a teenager. And suddenly I was starting to realize why I loved it so much and why it brought out these like indescribable feelings that no other artist could. To the point that I literally resented her because I couldn't believe that someone who felt the same way I did could be such a public enemy. But after scrolling through Gaylor edits on my For You page and completely getting over to Swifty TikTok, 
I just decided to start doing my own research. I would go looking for PowerPoints and Reddit posts and the most niche theories and lyrical analyses from years ago. I started looking into her and Joe's relationship. I watched Long Pond the night that it came out in November 2020, and I was dying laughing the entire time. I was so confused. I was so confused. I was like, is this woman straight and doesn't know that she's queer and hates her boyfriend? Or is she completely lying to the public? (laughs) And both possibilities cracked me the hell up. So I had to look into it more. My main thing in doing all of this research was that I wanted to tell people about it. Taylor Swift was always this like secret guilty pleasure of mine since I was even a kid. I would print out the lyrics to Love Story as a kid or You Belong With Me or Fearless, all from that album. And I would bring them to school for lunchtime. And every day we and my friends, my two friends who liked Taylor Swift at school, it was like a secret thing right we would go sit under this tree on the playground and we would read them and if we were like not feeling too shy we would sing them together um we really wanted to do a talent show where we were going to perform taylor swift songs but we obviously were way too shy for that i was really excited that there was a reason that i loved taylor swift all this time I was so excited to show people folklore and to have them listen to the queerness. I was so excited to find other people who loved Taylor's music the same way that I did. I was so excited even if it was just little random anonymous people on TikTok who were making edits that I would like and bookmark and I was excited if it meant finding like five Twitter mutuals that I could follow thanks to TikTok and the TikTok comments. I was excited to just talk about these lyrics with people. And that was when I also started realizing I was autistic because the way that I dove headfirst into Gaylor theories and like literally was eating, sleeping, breathing, shitting out folklore and Gaylor theories, the way that I didn't even want to talk to my family or friends because I was just so enthralled with these lyrics and with Taylor's story, I knew that that was a special interest. That was something that was not a neurotypical thing to do. And with all of these strong feelings, all that I wanted was for other people who also felt this strange, unnameable, unshakable, unavoidable connection to Taylor Swift and her magic wizard lyrics. I wanted those other people to also be able to name if that was why they felt this connection. Specifically the queer people that I knew were listening to her music. There had to be more than just me wondering about this and hearing all of this. And I knew that there was because I was fully investigating. After Evermore was released, I had a conniption. I lost my fucking mind. I decided that this was my life's journey now was to tell everyone about Gaylor. So I started telling everyone in my life. And by everyone in my life, I mean the very few friends I had at that time. I started telling my family about these theories. I started making TikToks in early 2021 where I was just listing gay lyrics that 
were just so obviously gay that I was angry that no one was talking about it. And I was angry that there wasn't enough gayler TikTok content. So I just started making it myself. One of the first TikToks that I made was listing lyrics to Seven, like hide in the closet and illicit affairs, leave the perfume on the shelf you picked out just for him, gold rush, um, Dorothea, and kind of going over friend of Dorothy and what that means. And I just remember making those videos and being like, even if two Swifties see this and recognize something in themselves or in Taylor or both, that's exciting because Taylor's obviously flagging something and it deserves to be seen. This is a beautiful way to a beautiful way to present your queerness to your audience, honestly. Even if it is painful and it's born out of this like historical queer melancholy and queer grief. It, it felt beautiful and it felt important even then. It felt important for culture and it felt important for all Taylor Swift listeners because there are so many. Like, this is a whole ass pop star icon with a giant fandom online. Like, one of the most powerful fandoms in the world. So it just felt important that people recognize her queerness because it felt important for my queerness too at this point. It felt so intrinsically tied to the ways that I never was able to name my queerness and Taylor was able to in her art. So of course I wanted everyone to understand it the way that I felt like I did and still do. I was met with a lot of mean feedback on TikTok, a lot of defensive Swifties, a lot of internalized homophobia, a lot of speculating on people's sexuality is wrong, comments calling me a pervert, saying that I have no right to speculate on anyone's queerness, and that if Taylor was queer, she would say it. And all of these comments being told to me, someone who never came out ever to really my family or my friends, I just decided to start being queer one day and accepting that that was a part of myself and I decided to be myself one day slowly not just all at once but it felt like Taylor was doing the same kind of thing publicly she doesn't have to come out for people to see her and to hear these flags right I mean that's what I thought at the time in my head I was like I did flagging things like this on social media so my friends would know that I was openly queer now and I posted photos holding hands with my girlfriend without stating she was my girlfriend because I just hoped those who could see it could see it and those who didn't want to wouldn't and that feeling just felt so mirrored in Taylor's art and life. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that in some ways. Hoping to be seen without having to scream to be seen, I guess. And in a weird parasocial way, to be completely transparent, I wanted to help Taylor. And that sounds crazy for me to say. I can acknowledge that that's a crazy thing for me to say as someone who does not know Taylor Swift as a person. I will never know her. But it felt like I wanted to help her and I wanted to help those who were listening to these songs and felt some indescribable, unnameable feeling but like couldn't name it. And I thought, well, if I can name it for even a few people who are fans of the same art that I am, then fuck yeah. We can enjoy this art together in the same ways. I'm not enjoying this art in the way that Swifties and Hitlers are and people who love Joe Alwyn. I'm not enjoying it in the same way they are, but I know I'm enjoying it in the same way as someone. And I need to find those people and talk to them about it because I can't shut the fuck up about Gaylor theories. <laughs> so that's why I was making TikToks. 
Honestly, I was deleting every single comment that was mean or felt fueled by some weird internalized homophobia. And while I understand it's like my TikTok and I have full autonomy and power to just delete comments in my comment section, I did feel weird about doing it. But I was doing it because I wanted my comments to be a safe place for queer people to talk about loving Taylor Swift and to discuss their theories and like freak out in the comments with me. And I wanted people to open the comments of like a Gaylor video and feel excited that someone else sees things that they might see but are too afraid to talk about. So I deleted all of these fucking Swifty comments and I still do that if I post TikToks. I'm not as active anymore, but I blocked a lot of their little mean words like speculate or um, creepy. I blocked all of the words that they would use to make me feel bad for seeing Taylor Swift's queerness. So shout out to everyone that I met in those early Gaylor TikTok days in 2021 when it was just like me and like five other Gaylor creators making edits and little tiny, tiny lyric analysis, like trying our best to not get eaten up and torn to shreds every time we posted. Um, those days were really, really fucking dark and hard. But shout out to all of you OG Gaylor TikTokers. I'm so glad that I wasn't doing it alone. And I'm so grateful for all of you for making me feel validated to keep looking into these Gaylor theories. At one point, I started a series on TikTok where I would play parts of her songs that were obviously gay. And the title of these and the title of this series was Songs That Are Gay If You Want Them To Be. And I used that language to try to avoid the whole you're pushing a sexuality onto her allegations, right? And I was like, well, maybe if I word it, that Swifties can only interpret it as gay if they want it to be. Maybe then they'll consider it, right? Like, I'm not pushing anything. Newsflash, um, homophobia does not care about logic, so they didn't care about the way that I worded that. I still got a lot of hate, but I think the wording being that intentional did help because I got some nicer feedback from those videos. I probably made like six of them, just listing off like five songs in each one and five crazy parts of lyrics. Like, were a crooked love in a straight line down. Shade never made anybody less gay. The entire lyrics to Ivy. <laughs> I was just trying to rein in the gay people. I was like, where? I need to talk to a gay person. I need to talk to a gay person about these lyrics. That's what those videos were for. <laughs> I wanted to know if other people saw it as clearly as I did and I started feeling crazy because I was getting a lot more hate than I was getting other gaylers in my comment section agreeing with me. So I started feeling crazy, I started feeling frustrated, the autism kicked in and I thought this is now my life's mission to make everyone a gayler because we're right. So at one point I decided it was not enough to just tell people which lyrics sounded gay because they still weren't understanding and I ended up typing up giant lyric analysis in my comment section to people trying to defend my analysis. So I full sent it and I made a cowboy like me full queer analysis video one night that was like three or four minutes long because I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And Cowboy Like Me is one of the gayest songs I've ever fucking heard in my life. So of course I had to do a queer analysis on it and tell everyone what the fuck she's singing about because it didn't seem to be clicking with Swifties what she was singing about. After that, I did an Ivy queer analysis. The same day I had posted that, Taylor liked one of my TikToks, which the TikTok she liked was not the Ivy queer analysis, nor was it Gaylor related. But there was something really parasocially validating about her liking that TikTok the day that I posted my Ivy queer analysis, which I was so proud of. It's not that it felt like a 
okay, I'll be a little, I'll be, I'll be transparent with you guys. It did feel like a pat on the head from Taylor, even if she doesn't run her account or whatever. It felt like a little nod to keep going. It's like, yeah, you're doing okay. You're doing a good job. I'm okay with you speculating, you know? <laughs> it just kind of made me feel like I had a green light to keep making Gaylor content. It felt like everything that all these Hetlers were saying of like, Taylor would think this is so creepy. You, you can't speculate on a real person's sexuality. She's not a fictional character, blah, 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 blah. It felt like I finally had like a shield to just be like, actually, it doesn't fucking matter. She liked one of my TikToks. Also, she's Taylor Swift. She doesn't care if I call her gay. <laughs> she, I saw gay, so I said gay. I think she would understand that. <laughs> So, in my parasocial and autism-induced special interest journey of Gaylor, I kept fucking going. I leaned into my Gaylor TikToks so hard. And it was around this time, I started making more lyrical queer analysis for Seven, for Right Where You Left Me. That was when I started doing research about Stonewall, the hairpin drop heard around the world. I started finding out about all of these queer flags that I didn't even know were queer flags, but I knew in my heart felt queer. I started recognizing queer themes in Taylor's music that I've always known about, but never thought about as queer, like her use of bird cages or the whole metaphor of Wonderland and like these rabbit holes. I started learning about Rebecca Harkness and Loie Fuller. I read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which was just like this canon Gaylor book that a lot of Gaylors believed paralleled Taylor's life. And that one really got me thinking about Hollywood and homophobia and validated all of our crazy quote unquote conspiracy theories. It made me think about all the celebrities who have always been queer and just closeted or flagging in really subtle ways. People like Harry Styles or people like Shakira. <laughs> There's a she-wolf in the closet. We'll get into Shakira. Around the time that Red Taylor's version was released, I think is when the Gaylor community really changed and like everything shifted. I remember making a TikTok about the very first night, the day that Red TV was released, and it was about the rhyme scheme. They don't know how much I miss you, which would sound better as they don't know how much I miss her. And again, that one felt so blaringly obvious. It felt like she was begging for someone to make a TikTok about it. She was begging for someone to bring up this rhyme scheme. So I did. I made a TikTok about it that morning and it spread like fucking wildfire. And a lot of mainstream publications started writing about Gaylor. The Gaylor subreddit exploded. It probably like tripled or quadrupled in size overnight. It was insane to watch. <laughs> um, I think Gaylor just went completely mainstream during Red Taylor's version, in my opinion, from what like I had witnessed up until that point. It was horrifying for us as Gaylors who had been there for a minute, especially the elder Gaylors who were like actually in that Gaylor subreddit for years prior to Folkmore. And my TikTok started gaining a lot of traction from the very first night video. I started getting a lot more hate. I kept making TikToks. I started the Archers podcast with Katie, where I finally got to channel all of this long form analysis that I had been splitting into parts on TikTok. And I started doing more and more research and dedicating so much time and energy to documenting my research, documenting timelines, 
documenting the queer history and all of the queer figures that I would come across while doing Gaylor research. I basically haven't been able to shut the fuck up about Gaylor theories since 2020. And I don't just mean in my personal life. Like, yeah, I can't shut up when I talk about Gaylor to my family and friends, which is why I started making Gaylor content. I was just like, I cannot keep going on these rants to everyone in my life. I need to channel this into a place where people will want to listen to Gaylor theories. And I think in the past couple of months, since I haven't been podcasting or making Gaylor content, I realized that my brain is quite literally going to explode if I don't. So I'm very excited about this podcast and to just channel everything that I've already learned about the Gaylor rabbit hole and everything I continue to learn and research. Like I said, I am autistic and my special interest is Taylor Swift gay. My brain recognizes patterns in a really crazy way. I'm sure a lot of you can relate, specifically with lyrics. And it's been like that my whole life, aside from Taylor Swift, aside from Gaylor being queer. Lyrics get stuck in my head. Words get stuck in my head in a way that is sometimes not by choice. But I am so grateful that this crazy blonde woman's lyrics just live in the walls of my skull and... I'm very grateful for all of the parallels that my brain has allowed me to find because of this pattern recognition. And I hope this place can be a place to validate any patterns you might have recognized or expand on theories that you may have thought about or that we've all heard about. My intention for this podcast is just to affirm and validate Gaylers in the ways that we need because we are shit on constantly as Gaylers within this crazy fandom. So my goal is to just be a big mirror for Gaylor theories and not in like a really sad mirror ball way, but hopefully in like an uplifting way. (laughs) There are so many wonderful, caring, intelligent, genius mastermind people within this community who have done so much work and research and put in so much love and care into sharing all that research with all of us. And I hope that I can be another channel for all of those people's theories, as well as any of my own that come up. And I'm really grateful to have this space. As I was putting together this podcast, I really was forced to reflect on my journey being in this community my journey as a fan of Taylor Swift, my journey as a Gaylor separately from that. And as I was reflecting on all of it, it just made me realize that this online Gaylor community has been a part of my life for over three years now. And that's mind blowing. And even though I think about it often, you know, like how lucky I am to be a part of this online space and how lucky I am to know the people I know through these online spaces, and to build all of the relationships and networks that I have with you all and all my friends online. In thinking about all of it, it just, it makes me feel so grateful. This community has always been so special and sacred since it was just a little group of lesbians on the L chat in like 2008 (laughs) speculating because of Taylor's SNL roomies skit, which Correct me if I'm wrong, Elder Gaylers, but I think it's still one of the most bulletproof Gaylor evidences and probably where the Gaylor community was really born. And I can't speak on how insane it must have felt to recognize queerness in Taylor Swift in 2009 because I was nine years old. But I hope 
that here I can dig up and brush off all of those dusty pieces of gay lore and whatever else I continue to come across while connecting with all of you beautiful minds. Gaylorism is important. It's important to me personally, and it's important to me personally because Taylor Swift is important. She's important in pop culture. She's important in art. She's important to women and to girls. She is an important figure in this world, whether we want her to be or not. She represents emotional vulnerability. She represents parts of girlhood that brings women together, as we've seen in the Eras Tour. This fandom as a whole, I'm talking Swifties, Hetlers, everyone who's a fan of Taylor Swift, this fandom is massive. It's global. And most importantly, it's becoming more and more queer. Gaylor theories are becoming more well-known. People are leaning into queer signals and queer flags and art and history because of Taylor Swift's art. That is crazy. One of my mutuals at Violet's in her lap, they had shared a promo video from Shannon Beveridge, who was a lesbian YouTuber, and she just put out new merch that says Friends of Dorothy. It's a cute little hat. And she explains how it used to be a queer flag and what it means to use a queer flag and why it has to be done through secret code. Thank you, Maddie, for posting that to Twitter. And that's just one example of like the way that the influence of Gaylor theories becomes important to queer theory and to queer community. Whether we want it to or not, Taylor Swift is unearthing queer history for mainstream audiences, and that's important. I love watching Gaylor theories become mainstream and how people are loudly exclaiming that they're Gaylers now. I love watching celebrities claiming that they're Gaylers and agreeing with us. Even capitalism is agreeing with us now. We have Oreos on our side. And Spotify. Shout out to those interns, those Gaylers, working at Oreos and Spotify. <laughs> we even got Carly Kloss at the motherfucking Eras tour. If you would have told me that even like two weeks ago or like <laughs> two months ago, I probably would have passed out. I would have never fucking believed you if you would have told me or my six-year-old self listening to Tim McGraw that one day Taylor Swift being gay would impact my life the way that it has. But this community has taught me so much about my own queerness and about my values. It's beautiful that we all saw something in this artist and we continue to all see each other every day because of it. So I was really trying to think of what lyrics and what Gaylor theories I wanted to include in this episode aside from just my own story as a Gaylor and the ways that I relate to this community. There's one lyric parallel that has always come up for me since 2020 when I first started doing this backtracking of Taylor Swift's catalog for queerness. It's one parallel that like replays in my head a lot and then was recently brought back up when Taylor performed our song and You Are In Love together in LA. She had also performed our song and Snow on the Beach, I believe, in Vegas earlier on the tour. Those three songs share parallels that are really special and encapsulate all of what being a gayler means to me and what it means to appreciate queerness in Taylor Swift's art, I guess. Going back to our song and you know, 2006, her debut era. She was singing about a love that you wouldn't hear sang about on the radio, a love that doesn't have its own song, a love that doesn't have a place in this world, I guess, to quote another song from debut, 
a love that's only felt through slamming screen doors or tapping on windows because you can't go through the front door. Or like you are in love, a love that's in silence, a love that's felt quietly, a love that's just felt, not heard or seen, a love that's whispered through the phone, like she says in our song, a love that's a secret, so it can't be heard or seen. And then we make our way to snow on the beach from midnights. It's quiet, it's weird, it's beautiful. There's no sound, but it's all around. You can feel the love, even if you can't see it or hear it. Those three songs and themes in those three songs are ever-present in Taylor Swift's entire discography, but I think those three songs really encapsulate the feelings of being queer and what it's like to feel queerness without necessarily naming it out loud or seeing it in a tangible way. The whole theme of secrecy and silence and allowing queerness to be something you feel and don't have to name, it's just so tangible through those three songs and so important to me. I thought I would make a playlist that really paints the picture along with these three songs of queerness being something that's felt in silence and on the way home and through the phone whispering and tapping on the window. All songs about that feeling and songs by other queer artists that I love because like I said in this Gaylor rabbit hole we find a million other rabbit holes and it's really fun. So I'm gonna link my playlist below and I hope you guys enjoy it. I would love to make more playlists that coincide with episodes in the future, so let me know if that's something that you guys like. I also want to take this chance before I end the episode to put a call out for any elder gailers, and by elder gailers I mean people who have been in the online community since, I don't know, prior to like 2012 or 2011 or around that time, because I would love to pick your brain about what the space looked like when it was way less people <laughs> and your feelings on it being so big now and like I mentioned earlier I'm also looking to have someone on that can tell me about Larry Stylinson and that I can pick your brain about that because like I said I know the footnotes for Larry but I know that there is like novels worth of content there so I would love to learn more <laughs> Thank you to everyone in this community and everyone listening for encouraging me to start this up and to continue creating Gaylor content. I am so grateful for the support that I've been shown in this community for three years now. It blows my fucking mind. I can't believe. I'm so excited for this new journey. I'm going to link below all of my social media, the Spotify playlist, and my Patreon account, which... And my Patreon account, which I'm going to link below, I'd like to take the chance at the end of every episode to shout out a gayler that I think is worthy of love and following and has a beautiful mind. So today I wanted to shout out Alice, who is at One Door Land on Twitter, One Door with O-R. I will link her Twitter in the description. Alice has this really fun theory, movie thing, Gaylor idea, I don't even know what to call it, where um, you play Midnight's, the album, but you play the track list backwards, and you switch track eight and three, aka Antihero and Vigilante Ship. You play that track list reversed in that order over the movie Alice in Wonderland, and it lines up in a really insane, trippy, fun, crazy way that 
is probably one of the most exciting Gaylor finds I've ever seen, actually. Like, when I watched this for the first time, and the second and third and fourth and fifth, I've seen this so many times. (laughs) I was fucking blown away. Every time I'm blown away. It's so fun. It's such a fun way to experience Midnight's The Album. It's such a fun way to experience Alice in Wonderland. It's such a fun, like, Gaylor brain exercise to be watching Alice in Wonderland visually and taking in all of that symbology while also applying the symbology we have from the lyrics of Midnight's and the story of Midnight's. And listening to it backwards gives you a whole new perspective with those tracks switched. And the reason that Alice switched those tracks is because the phone was upside down in Midnight's Mayhem with me for 8 and 3, tracks 8 and 3. Anyways, check out Alice's TikTok and Twitter for more information. Information. We definitely want to have another Midnight's in Wonderland viewing party soon so we can all watch it on Zoom together and kiki about our theories. And I would also love to have Alice on the podcast to talk about Midnight's in Wonderland one day and give us her full rundown on all of the parts that line up so perfectly in such a way that is nearly impossible and puts me a little bit into psychosis. Anyway... Major shout out to Alice. Please go follow her on TikTok, on Twitter. Um, and major shout out to the Gaylor community, all of you, all of my mutuals, everyone who was pushing me to keep creating. I love all of you so much. I'm so excited for this journey. And I hope it's cool that I said all that. I don't know if that's lame. <laughs>